Welcome to Make It Smarter with Hexagon, your monthly podcast where we discuss how industrial manufacturers are developing the disruptive technologies of today and the life-changing products of tomorrow. I'm Sean Heath. Today, I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Steve Starner. He's the Director of Business Development in the Aerospace Division for Hexagon Manufacturing Intelligence. Steve, how are you today? I'm good, Sean. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the word aerospace in your title, really got excited. Really, really excited because it's, you know, the little kid in me thinks science fiction, Star Trek, and it's not too far off from that. I mean, we're not going to be talking about the Hubble Space Station today, but you get to work on some pretty fantastic projects. Tell me the road that led you to this very cool position with Hexagon. Sure. And when I see the word aerospace in my title, I get excited too. Um, So I've worked for Hexagon for about 10 years, and I've been in this business for a little more than 20 uh, when I first, shortly after I first got started, I moved to Seattle and I started working with Boeing, which makes commercial airplanes. Um, and probably because of location, uh, I would say I've most of my career focused more on aerospace, although I've got other, um, industries that I work with. And since then it's been, um, spacecraft, commercial aircraft, military, uh, and, and I think you're right. All of it's pretty interesting. Now, another thing you do is you lead the automation group. Correct. And that means you get to work with another incredibly cool vertical, robots. Is that, Did I read that right? You get to work with helping develop robot solutions? We do. So uh, Hexagon has worked in uh, the manufacturing space. And originally, it was primarily in metrology, which is the science of measuring things. So a lot of our equipment was sold for quality control for the things that go into a car or an airplane or a toaster oven or whatever. Uh, As time's gone on, a lot of these, especially advanced industries such as aerospace or automotive, they've gotten more and more automated. And so uh, rates have gone up. You have to make more airplanes than ever before. And these things have to be put together more precisely than ever. And so uh, customers demand not only the types of sensors and equipment we have, but that we automate them and integrate them into their existing production lines. And so that's what my group does. We help develop solutions that are automated and oftentimes completely integrated into their production lines to uh, perform the tasks that they may have once done manually. Now, do you find it um, pretty easy at this point to switch hats from your background as a mechanical engineer into the a director in sales, business development? Is that a, a pretty seamless transition for you? It's You probably don't even think about it. It's not like flipping a switch. It's just the way you think. Correct. I mean, I would say it's um, one and the same every day. And so for for almost every salesperson at Hexagon, Uh, Their customers are often engineers, and so you're having a technical discussion about the products and how they can solve a particular problem, and it'd be impossible to do if you you truly can understand what that customer was trying to achieve. And so uh, for us and for me every day, it's a matter of um, having these technical discussions and solving problems, and that's frankly why people buy stuff from us. 
One of the biggest problems that you help companies solve is inefficiencies. I know as a mechanical engineer, that word must drive you absolutely nuts. It does. Um, and, and that is, uh, I think, where uh, a lot of companies are at today. And, and I think it, it, that one statement kind of exemplifies where manufacturers are at. Uh, when you think about aerospace, they're not making 100,000 of something every month. They're making 30 or 40 airplanes. Uh, so I think there was a tendency in the past to not worry so much about efficiencies. Uh, but things have gotten so competitive that uh, even in that market space with those kinds of volumes, uh, everything has to be optimized. So every part of that process have to, has to be optimized. And that's what we help them with. Just how important is efficiency in, in, uh, in maintaining a competitive sort of foot in any marketplace? Is it becoming, are the margins becoming such that efficiency is really taking on a major role? Yeah. Um, you know, it is about cost, but I think maybe in, in a bigger way, it's about schedules. And so when you think about an aircraft, there are hundreds of thousands of pieces that come together to make a few big components that come together to make an aircraft. And all these things have to meet up at the right time at the right place. And so uh, a lot of it has to, is about, you know, meeting a schedule. And so if people don't produce quality parts on time, and this has to be all of these parts coming together, they can cause delays. And uh, it's not like you can move an aircraft, you know, that's missing some parts out of the production line to make the next one. That plane can sit there and wait until you get all the pieces you need to put it together. You get to work with some incredibly advanced manufacturing companies, uh, and you get to work with them as they're creating just groundbreaking new products. Some days, do you just feel like a kid in a candy store when you go to work? Absolutely. Every day. Uh, and I, and I can tell you that I, I remember, uh, about two weeks into this job thinking, God, I mean, this is what I get to do every day. Uh, kind of almost sinful that someone pays me to do it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's exciting. And I think that you're right. Our customers are some of the most advanced, uh, companies really that exist. And, uh, and, and frankly, I would say that our products have, have developed along with that. And so I think. Um, every step of the way, our products have become more advanced as well. You get to live in the future in certain senses of the words because you get to see new things before the rest of the world does. What sort of trends have you identified as things that are going to be important that maybe everybody doesn't know about yet? Mm, sure. Uh, in, this, in this market space, uh, a couple of things that are really changing the landscape for aircraft Number one is advanced materials. And so more and more of an airplane is made of uh, carbon fiber or composite materials. Uh, what that means is that it's not just uh, a bunch of metal parts that are machined and bolted together. They have the ability to make, you know, entirely new shapes and they have the ability to make uh, components out of one piece that used to be assembled out of 10. And so materials have changed. And uh, along with that, virtually the entire manufacturing process has changed. And what I've found that aircraft manufacturers are doing in particular is they're really looking, uh, frankly, in some ways to what automotive has done uh, as far as digital manufacturing and the ability to uh, understand uh, the parts and how they're going to fit together and predict 
uh, these parts are going to fit together well. And if not, they can correct them before they ever get to the assembly line. And so I guess those two things really sort of the changes in material and companies are more and more creating smart factories that use data and data analytics uh, to ensure that they're not going to have a problem in a production line. So you mentioned earlier that Hexagon has a history of being in the metrology equipment. Without giving away too much, but hopefully giving away as much as you can, tell me about this 360 FMC tracker. Sure. Now, before you start to answer, let me say, you as as a company have not stopped measuring stuff. You've just advanced the way that it that process takes place. Tell me about the this tracker. Okay. So I think that's a great question. And, and I mean, I could go on and on about that. So uh, number one, uh, the 360 FMC tracker cell is uh, a fully configurable measurement cell that includes a robot. The technology that's actually measuring parts, it's based on our Leica T-Scan system. Um, so it's a non-contact laser line scanner that can measure parts up to 25 meters away. And uh, that product from one of our divisions, Leica, is probably the most widely used product in aerospace. And typically this has been a product that's been used manually. So it requires somebody to walk around and measure parts with it. And so what we've done now is we've incorporated this technology into a measurement cell that's easy for us to install in a shop floor environment and uh, is highly configurable. And so if you imagine a robot that's got its own reach of say 10 feet, that robot can sit on a slide so it can kind of move left and right up to 10 meters. And then you could put parts in front of it that can also rotate. And so we can put this together to measure just about any part in just about any environment. And it's using technology that aerospace has relied upon for, you know, the better part of 25 years. Well, it sounds like that would be a good... I don't want to call it a starter kit because that oversimplifies it. But for a company that's just starting to use robotics, that seems like a natural fit. Yeah, I think it can be. And uh, and we talked a little bit about our technical capabilities. And so from a customer's point of view, what that often looks like is simply telling us about the problem. We'll design the system and install it. And there are offline programming softwares and safety systems embedded in there. So for a customer to use it, could be as easy as just pushing a button. Now, uh, there's still some level of sophistication that a customer would have to have to, to use a robotic system. And more and more companies have that. Uh, however, some don't. And so this system actually also can be configured with what's called a collaborative robot. And so uh, a collaborative robot is, is a robot that's safe for people to work around. So it moves a little bit slower. It carries a little bit less uh, than, it, than a standard industrial robot, but in fact, it's just got sensors on there. So when it bumps into something, it stops very quickly. And so collaborative robots are really designed to work around people. And that whole system I just described could also incorporate a robot such as that. Now, it could be implemented as sim by something as simple as pushing a button, but configuring it and installing it and building the thing requires a pretty high degree of skill. 
and there's some advanced education that mm-hmm. anyone who wants to come in the industry is going to need to acquire. You don't just walk in off the street. Most people wouldn't be able to and work in this industry. Is that one of the biggest challenges that the industry has right now is just finding enough qualified people? Yeah, there, there is no question that there's a drive uh, towards automated solutions in general. And so when you think about all of the people and all of the skill that goes into making an aircraft, that has been an industry that has re- relied upon uh, tribal knowledge for decades. And so people sort of learn how to build an aircraft and they learn how to build aerospace tooling, which they use to build an aircraft. And right now there's more airplanes being built and there's more fighter jets being built. And uh, for these companies, just finding people who have these skills is is getting incredibly difficult. And so, uh, yes, it's kind of, it's it requires some skill to operate these, but in, in general, uh, the drive towards automated manufacturing processes is because they simply can't find the qualified people uh, to do some of the work that was once done manually. About 10 years ago, I was working for a digital signage company, and we had a project at Bell Textron's plant in Amarillo. I had an opportunity to walk out on the catwalk and look at the production floor and see a V-22 Osprey in various stages of completion. When you say there's a hundred thousand parts in an aircraft, I think you might be underselling it because it looked like the biggest Lego nightmare ever to put one of those things together. What things have you seen? You know, obviously automation has has started to take its place and it's started to become a viable process to be utilized as a tool in manufacturing. What other processes or or things do you see that need to arrive in order to help the industry? What, what do you see on the horizon? Yeah, I think, uh, there are lots of things that are changing the landscape. I'm sure that was a fantastic visit. I've been to that facility. Um, and they're making, uh, to be honest, not so many Ospreys anymore, uh, but some other products as well. And, uh, you're right. The complexity of all of these aircraft is pretty amazing. So, uh, what I talked about so far was, uh, some metrology. So some measuring or verification that parts are made correctly. Uh, we also do a good bit of factory automation, uh, relative to assembling uh, those parts. So for instance, uh, if you ever see a, a large wing for a Boeing 787 get assembled to a fuselage. That's done completely automated using our equipment to help position that wing very, very precisely relative to the fuselage. So we do all that, um, but still there's a lot of work that's done manually by people. And so uh, one of the other things that we see kind of coming down the line is, uh, and it's really just starting, is the adoption of either augmented reality or virtual reality technology so that people can see, uh, say via a projector that's projecting instructions onto a part or using kind of a head up display, they can see what part they need to put in what place next. And so they get a lot of work instructions, they get a lot of visual cues, and they actually get a lot of even verification. Um, 
put right in front of them in a kind of augmented reality environment. That's a, that would be considered a smart manufacturing system, right? Correct. I think that's one component of a smart manufacturing system. And so um, having sensors that can see all of the attributes of a part and even its variations. I mean, there could be situations where parts are not quite perfect, but you could digitally assemble them and know that they're going to fit together anyway. So I think that's one part of it. And I think another part is this virtual reality. And I think, you know, the last part is just sort of making sure that, that all of that data is available to people, um, all the way down the production line. Well, having all of that data accessible and, and having a, a much higher visibility of the process not only seems like it would allow you to determine when parts can fit together properly, but it also seems like it would increase not just efficiency, but safety. If I can, if there is a part that's an important mm-hmm. part and it's off just a millimeter or so, but I have data that says the last time a part that had this flaw in it was integrated, it caused this problem or that problem. It seems like it's just going to increase the safety levels of manufacturing exponentially. I agree. I think, uh, I think there's lots of reasons, uh, that people are moving towards a smart factory. Uh, I think we've used words like industry 4.0 and smart factory for kind of only a really relatively short amount of time. Um, but the actual implementation is, is even more so in its infancy. And what's interesting is that every single part of an organization is interested in this industry 4.0 or smart factory concept, um, whether that's in engineering or manufacturing or HR, uh, Every single part of this of an organization is typically involved. Well, I you mentioned earlier being able to talk for an awful long time about the FMC tracker. I could talk to you for much longer than we have scheduled for today. So I will plan on having another conversation again with you in the future. Today, it's been my pleasure to have a conversation with Steve Starner, the Director of Business Development in the Aerospace Division of Hexagon Manufacturing Intelligence. Steve, thanks so much for taking time today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.